Father, that's our prayer uh, for each one of us this, this morning, that, that our lives would be lived um, with our eyes constantly on you and our hearts would be soft and receptive to hear your, your leading and your guidance in our lives, to, to hear your, your truth spoken into us. And so, Father, that's what we ask for this morning as we gather here together as your people and and we're about to come to your word. Father, we come to your word because we want to hear you speak. We know we need your guidance. We know we need your wisdom in our lives. And so we pray that, that you would speak to us clearly and powerfully through your word this morning. And Father, we know that each of us come with different things on our hearts and on our minds and different things that could possibly distract us from, from hearing what you have to say, Father. And we just pray that you would you would push all of those things off to the side so that we could hear you speak clearly and powerfully this morning. Father, we ask that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, this morning we're looking at Psalm 37. And it's a, little, it's a longer psalm. We're going to read through the whole psalm because I think it's important to kind of hear the whole message that, that, that we're uh, looking at this morning from God's Word. Um, um, but then as we get into the sermon, we're not going to look at every single verse of the passage because we would be here till Christmas. So we're not going to do that, but I want you to hear the whole psalm and then I want to talk to you kind of about the overarching message of that psalm. So we're looking at Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourselves in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright, but their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken." Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster they will not wither, in days of famine they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. 
Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn away from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives, but the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I've seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace, but all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Amen. Well, last week I was talking to uh, one of the young men of our church, and I was encouraging him uh, to keep learning how to fix his own vehicles. Um, and I said, it's just a good thing to learn, and it's, you know, it's going to save you money in the long run. Um, and yes, you're going to mess up probably a lot, but you're still going to save money in the long run, and you're going to learn a lot just in doing that. And, uh, and this week I was thinking... Um, you know, one of the lessons I've had to learn, I've grown up on a farm working on equipment. I've been working on small engines since I was about, I've been losing parts to small engines since I was about this big, and uh, working on cars. And uh, one of the biggest things I've had to learn in that process is patience. And uh, here's, here's kind of a typical scenario that would happen to me as a young man on the farm in particular. Um, you'd be doing something, you'd be kind of in a rush trying to get you know, I'd be feeding cows on the way to school or to football, or, and, uh, and then something would break. And, you know, nothing ever breaks at the right time. It always breaks at an inconvenient time, right? And so you're like, ah, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to take care of this. I gotta... Um, but you have to fix it. And because it's on a farm or actually just anything in the Midwest, what's going to happen when you try to fix something? It is covered in rust, it's welded in rust. It's, I mean, it's just, everything is in rust. And, and you, you're looking at the part going, I don't have time to go get a penetrating oil or a hammer or a torch or whatever. I don't have time for this. I'm just going to go get a wrench and a pipe <laughs> for some leverage, and we're just going to break this sucker loose, right? We're going to get it done because I don't have time to get all of the right tools. And so you, you put it on there, and you start pulling, well, one of three things is going to happen in that moment. Two of them are not good, <laughs> right? Every once in a while, you're going to get lucky, and the, and the nut's going to turn loose, and you're going to go, oh, thank you, Lord. 
That's maybe like 15% of the time. Usually, you're either going to strip the the nut or you're going to twist the bolt off completely and then try to figure out how to get that off. Um, And either of those options means that it's going to take a very, very long time to fix what you just broke. And so by, by, by being impatient and trying to use the wrong tools for the job, you just created a lot more work for yourself, and you just made it all worse. Um, that if, if you would have just been patient in the first place and gone and got some penetrating oil and a torch and, and then just waited and waited until it came loose on its own, you would have been done quicker, and you would have had to spend a lot less money. Well, not exactly the same thing as being talked about in Psalm 37, but I think something close in a different way. Um, Because remember, you know, all of the Psalms that we're looking at during Advent are all talking about waiting. And you know that the primary temptation when you're waiting is what? Impatience. I am tired of waiting. I don't want this anymore. I need to be done with whatever is happening. And so there's always this temptation to impatience kind of hanging around us whenever we are supposed to wait. And so when, impatient, when we start to give way to impatience, we always start to look for some different tools to maybe get the job done. Uh, maybe tools that we're not supposed to be using to get the job done. And maybe another way to say that is when, when we give way to impatience, we're, we're very tempted to begin to just kind of live like the world. Use the tools of the world, use the strategies of the world, use the, all of that stuff rather than using the tools and the strategies that God has given us. And we're always tempted to impatience because, well, when we're waiting, it just feels like we're not making any progress, right? Like I'm stuck in the mud and I'm not moving. And if I just keep waiting here, I'm just going to stay stuck in the mud. I need to do something to get out of here. So what do I need to do? So you start looking around and saying, well, who, who do I see that's not stuck in the mud and maybe they've got some kind of secret magic trick that's going to pull me out of the mud quicker because they seem to be doing pretty well. And, and then we even start to wonder, like, okay, you know, pastor's been talking about learning how to wait and we're supposed to rest in Christ and pray and read our Bibles, and then wait in faith. And we start to wonder, that just doesn't seem to be working. (laughs) That's just not getting me where I want to go. So maybe there's a better tool out there for me to use that's going to get me out of the mud quicker. And so we look around, and we start seeing people out there. We say, well, look at that person. They're not resting in Christ. They're not praying. They're not reading their Bible. They're not... They just like pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps, pulled themselves out of the pit on their own strength. And they got out way quicker than me. Maybe I should do what they're doing. Maybe that's what I should do. So we start to wonder, maybe, maybe, maybe God hasn't given me all of the tools that I need. Maybe I need to take matters into my own hands to be able to get out of this faster quicker. You know, this is kind of the the wrestling match that's going on in Psalm 37, which is why you see passages like this all throughout it. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be 
not envious of, of wrongdoers. Or later it says, fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. The, the psalmist keeps saying this over and over and over again because he is being tempted and because he knows that we're going to be tempted to look out at the world and say, they must have something better than us. Because here I am stuck in the mud and there they are running around freely. Maybe my God isn't giving me the right tools. And the psalmist says, don't do that. <laughs> he, he says, don't fret yourself about them. Don't worry about it. Stop wondering all the time about what they've got that you don't have. Stop. They've rejected Christ. They've walked away from God. They're, they're using different tools. And so stop. And, and he actually eventually says, fret not yourself. And he's talking about them because it only tends to evil. And, and, and I think what, what he's trying to tell us is, because this is you know, in a long line of thought, he's saying, you know, if you keep always looking around at all, those, all the people who have kind of walked away from God, walked away from Christ, and you're always kind of looking to see what are they doing? What do they have that I don't have? you're going to start walking down that road. You're going to start using their tools. You're going to start being tempted to use the wrong tools. And in one way, you're going to make things worse. And he says, so don't do that because you're just going to wander off and, and get caught up in something you don't want to get caught up in. So, so stop worrying about them. Stop worrying about what they're doing. Stop worrying about if they've got better tools than you because it's only going to lead you, lead you astray. But, but even more so than that, probably one of the bigger themes in this passage is a reminder that uh, the people that you're looking at out there that you think, man, they've got a better life than me. The psalm says they actually don't. It seems like it on the outside, but, but you know, you, sit, you feel like you're stuck in the mud and it looks like they're frolicking through the daisies. And, and he's like, actually, the life that they're living right now is going to lead toward nothingness, is the repeated theme. We, we read, they will soon fade like the grass. They'll wither like the green herb. That's their lifestyle. It's, it's not getting stronger and better, but it's slowly fading away. Or in just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. Or the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. They go and disappear. And the point is, they seem on the outside to have a better life, a better whatever. Um, but they're using the wrong tools. They're using the wrong strategies and weapons that God has given us to use. And as a result, they're fading away. They, they may use tools that in the moment seem to kind of pull them out of the pit really quickly, but it's just a momentary fix. In the long run, they will fade away. It only seems like it's quicker. It seems like it's better. And so it's a reminder to just see the world rightly, 
But then it's a reminder to us too that when we see the world rightly and recognize that they're actually slowly fading away, it's a reminder to us that if we try to pick up their tools and use their tools and and live their life, we're actually stepping down this path that's going to lead toward just nothingness. That, That our life will actually turn into this like of smoke. And so we'll just fade right along with them. That It's actually not going to get you out of the pit faster. It's not going to get you out of the mud or, or get you out of the darkness. It's actually going to make things worse. It may seem quickly to solve the problem, but in the long run, you get impatient, you start using the wrong tools, you're going to break something, and you're going to spend a lot longer time trying to fix it. Um, I read a really great uh, line from Charles Spurgeon this week, and I had to give this analogy because I thought it was really helpful. Um, I'm going to turn his line into kind of a parable. So, you know, Jesus talked about sheep, but we don't ever have sheep around here, so I'm going to talk about cows. And so imagine that you're a cow. <laughs> um, and you're on a farm, you're being taken care of, you're being fed, you're, you're being pastured, uh, you've got some work to do, right? You, cows don't just, we don't have cows as pets. They're, 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 they work, they, they have a job. So you have a job, you have stuff you have to do, and you're, you're happy with the job that you have on the farm because you're being fed, you're being taken care of, um, until one day you look and you notice, well, there are some other cows on this farm, and they're in a different pasture than me, um, and they get fed way more than I get fed, and they do way less work than I do. They're just like the spoiled cows on the farm. They just don't have to do anything. They're just, they, they must have the good life. I want to be that cow. Until they get loaded up and hauled away because they're being fattened for the slaughter. And he said, that's what we do all the time is we're like, that person must have the good life. I want to be like them. And what actually is happening is they're living something that's going to fade away. They're going to end up disappearing. And so the psalmist keeps reminding us over and over again, rather than kind of constantly looking out and, and kind of longingly looking on the lives of those who are not following Christ, uh, being tempted to kind of take up their tools and strategies, he says it's actually better to wait and to wait on the Lord. And, you know, the, this whole series has been this reminder of what we do as we wait on the Lord. We, we rest in Christ, right? We, we pray to the God we know who answers. We, we read our Bibles and remind ourselves who God is and, and what He's done, and, and then we wait in faith. And this passage gives us another aspect of waiting rightly. We read, he says, wait for the Lord and keep His way. Not the way of the world, not the strategies of of everyone else, but keep the Lord's way. And He will exalt you to inherit the land, and you will look on when the wicked are cut off. This is a reminder to us that He says, as we wait, we're going to be tempted to kind of follow, like, wander off the path that God has laid for us. We're going to be tempted to pick up these other tools and strategies around us. And he says, don't do that. As you wait, keep the Lord's way. Keep following Him. Because when you do that, 
You're not going to fade away and disappear from the land, but you will inherit the land. There's a firmness to it. There's a steadfastness. There's a strength and and a perseverance that comes from just trusting in the Lord and and waiting on Him and and following Him. And it actually says that you're going to look on when the wicked are cut off. Like, All of the people that you are maybe tempted to follow in this life or all of the people that you may be envied in this life, he said, if you actually keep the way of the Lord, you'll outlast them and you'll look on as they fade away or as they're cut off. And so there's there's a, a firmness and a steadfastness that comes when we wait on the Lord and when we keep His way. In the midst of being stuck in the mud... In the midst of being stuck in the pit or, or in the darkness, um, and, and I always try to remind us that this keeping the way of the Lord or walking down His path or however you want to say it, um, it's not just what I call like an Eeyore type of obedience, right? So sometimes I feel like that's been taught where you're just kind of like, I guess I'll keep following the Lord and doing what He tells me to do and. You know, everyone else is having fun, and I'll just keep. That's not, you know, that's so not right, right? I mean, so the psalmist says, delight yourself in the Lord. Like, as you obey God, as you keep His way in the pit or in the mud, delight yourself that you're following the Lord, that you're walking in His path. Because there's a joy in that. I mean, there, there's a reason. There, there's this moment where we can be stuck in the mud or in the pit and still have this level of joy. And it makes sense because we know when we're walking in step with the Lord, when, when we're following His path, when we're keeping His way, however you want to say that, you're walking in a way that has firmness to it, that has foundations to it. You're, you're not actually walking in a way that's going to disappear and fade away. And so you can delight in that. Or, or you can delight in the fact that my Father has laid this path before me, and I get to walk in the path that my Father has laid before me. It may be hard, it may be difficult, but I know He loves me. I know He's going to bring me through to the other side, so I'm going to find joy in just walking the path that He's laid out for me. Um, like, it's just living the way that God has created us to live in the world. You feel freed up to just live. And sometimes that means being stuck in the mud for a while. But we have the Spirit with us, guiding us and giving us strength to do that. Um, But we also, it all requires faith. Um, It's why we read, trust in the Lord and do good. Have, Have faith in our God and then follow Him. Does that make sense? Like, that's the step. You, you can't actually keep the Lord's way without, apart from faith. You, you just can't do it. And you can't actually wait, like truly wait, like we talked about last week. You can't do that apart from faith in our God. You have to trust Him. You have to have faith in Him. You have to know who He is and what He's done. And then because you know who He is and what He's done, you grab hold of Him and you say, I trust you in this, so, so I'll wait for you. Or I trust you in this, so I will do the things that you've told me to do while I'm stuck in the pit. I trust you in this. I trust that you're not telling me the wrong things. And so we keep holding on to Him, and we walk by faith, and we rest in Him by faith, and we trust in Him by faith. 
And I want to just kind of wrap up by talking about some of the things, because the psalmist gets pretty practical. And, and he shows, like, what does this look like? As, as we're stuck in the mud, as we're kind of waiting in the pit, and we're keeping the Lord's way, like, what types of things are we called to do? He says, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. That's keeping the Lord's way as we wait. Because we know when you're waiting and when you're impatient, what's starting to well up right here? Anger. I'm tired of it. <laughs> right? I'm tired of being here. I'm tired of someone treating me this way. I'm, I'm tired of being stuck and feeling like this and watching all these other people not having to suffer. Dang it, I'm tired. You know, you just get mad. And this is a reminder to us, no, you take up that tool and that weapon, that is not going to get you out of the pit. You'll dig yourself deeper. That, that's, that's walking down a path that's going to, to fade away. Rather, wait for the Lord, keep His way, Refrain from anger. He says, Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. Right? Again, you have to wait. What starts welling up? Envy, jealousy. Like, especially if that moment where you're stuck in the mud is because, like, you've got some bills coming down on you and you're not sure how you're going to pay for them. And you start going, God, I wish I was like that. They have so much money. They don't have to worry about this. Man, it would be so much better to have, to have what they have than to be stuck with this measly, peasly stuff that I have. Wouldn't it be better if I had their life than my life? You're tempted to, and we're reminded. You, you start going down that path while you wait, the path of envy and, and jealousy. And that's not a path that's going to pull you out of the pit or a path that's going to pull you out of the mud. It's going to dig you deeper and get you stuck deeper. Um, and you're going to be down that path again that leads toward just like a poof of smoke. Rather, as you wait, you keep the Lord's way and you trust His provision. And you go, even the little that I have is better than the abundance of the many. Better is the knowing that my God provides for me and gives me everything I need in this moment. That's better than the abundance of the many. And as we do that, we get strengthened to keep waiting in the mud. Or this one, the, the wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. You know, one of the, one of the things I've noticed um, in my own heart, <laughs> um, but also just as I watch people, is our, our natural tendency when we get into trial and difficulty is to just kind of turn in on ourselves. And think, all right, things are really hard right now, so I just need to focus on me and myself. I need to take care of me. Um, and so when we stop looking at everybody else and we're like, I can't help them right now, I just got to help me. This is what I got to do. This is how I'm going to get out of this if I just focus on me. And we're told, you know, the wicked do that. They, they just take, 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 take and never give back and they don't live a generous life and and that you think, I think our natural tendency is to think, I'm stuck in this pit. The only way I can get out of this pit is if I use all of my strength and climb out on my own. That's how I can do this. So if I give any of that strength away to someone else, I'm going to be stuck. So I just got to look to myself. 
But as a reminder, no, you're going to use all of your strength to dig that pit deeper and to get stuck in the mud deeper. Um, and you're on that path that is going to disappear. Rather, when you're stuck in the mud and in the pit and you feel like you're in the darkness, it says, look around and live generously. Even if the mud, even if the mud is a short paycheck or a big bill, live generously. That's waiting on the Lord and keeping His, His way. You know, I think my hope is that all of these things are just reminders to us that, that waiting isn't just something passive. I'm going to keep saying this every week. Our tendency is to think, well, waiting on the Lord means just sitting there doing nothing. And the reminder for us is that waiting is actually, it's like it's warfare. It's, it's like a battle in our, in our body, in our soul. Like waiting to, to rest in Christ is a battle because as you wait, anxiety is going to roll up within you. You're not going to want to rest and trust Christ. You're going to want to take matters into your own hands or do something else, and you have to fight that, the power of the Spirit, and say, no, I'm going to rest in Christ. It's a battle to keep praying to our God because, again, you're going to want to try to take care of matters on your own hands or look to other people to take care of those. And you have to keep going, no, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And you're going to take your anxieties and your burdens, you're going to keep laying them at God's feet and saying, Lord, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. I trust you. That's a battle. Reading your Bible, just remind you, 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 start, you start being tempted to start thinking, well, is my God really faithful? Is he actually here? Like, will he actually lead me through the valley of the shadow of death? You crack open your Bible and you fight that by reminding yourself who God is and what he's done. You fight that to just keep his way, like we've talked about today. Tempted on all sides to kind of wander off and, and do our own things. You, you fight that in the power of the Spirit. Say, no, Lord, I trust you. I will be generous. I will forsake wrath. I, I, I will rest in your provision and what you've given me. Um, like waiting is real battle, which is why I didn't have to look very hard to, for the Bible to talk about waiting. It's everywhere because this is what we're having to do. Um, but we keep doing it because we trust our God. And we know that he will come in and he will pull us out. He will pull us out in his perfect timing. You know, and you'll go out into the world and find yourself stuck in the pit and people are going to look in at you like you are a crazy person. Because, well, I've got things you can do. Like, I can help you get out of that pit now. Like, just come on out. I'll, I'll pull you out. I'll help you. Why are you waiting for the Lord? That's ridiculous. And the, the reminder for us is not to give in to that that temptation. It sounds good in the moment. It sounds good to take matters into our own hand, but it will not get us out. We need to be patient. We need to trust the, our God, and we need to wait on Him. And, and a big reason why we can do that is this kind of final statement that's in this psalm, and it's actually been in every single psalm that we've looked at. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. This has been in every psalm because this is at the heart. And so like, if, if you miss everything I say, 
Like, get this truth buried deep down in your soul, that the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Your salvation does not come from the world or its strategies or its weapons or its power or its strength. Your salvation doesn't come from you or your ingenuity or your grit. It doesn't come from any of that. Your salvation comes from the Lord. You couldn't do anything to save yourself from your sin. And he came in and sent his son, right? This is what we're celebrating right now. He sent Jesus Christ. Why? Because you can't save yourself from your own sin. You needed a Savior. And so he sent Jesus to live and die and rise again for our forgiveness of our sins. But the same thing is true. You're actually not strong enough to pull yourself out of whatever pit that you find yourself in either. You can't do it. Because salvation doesn't come from you and salvation doesn't come from the world. It comes from our God who saved us from our sin and who will deliver us from any pit or darkness that we find ourselves in. And so we trust him and we keep waiting knowing that he will come and he will pull us out in his perfect timing. Let's come to our God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful again um, that you're our God. Just the reminder of your, your faithfulness and your, and your patience in our lives. Father, we admit that we are often impatient and we often turn our backs on you and try to, try to do things on our own. And uh, Lord, we ask your forgiveness for that. We ask your forgiveness for trusting in ourselves and for trusting in the world and, and not fully trusting in you to pull us out of the pit. We ask your forgiveness for our lack of, of patience and trust in you. So, Father, we ask that you would forgive us for that. But, but even more so than just being forgiven, Lord, we, we want to truly be able to wait on you in this world. And so we ask that your Spirit would come into our lives and, and would fill us and, and strengthen us and guide us so that we would truly wait for you in this world, that we would wait, that we would pray, that we would read, that we would walk in your way. Lord, help us to do that and ultimately help us to just rest in you and wait uh, for you to save us because we know you will. And all God's people said, amen. amen.